Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Hey, thanks for joining us for this installment. We are going to have a blast because we have Lindsey Graham with us. You're going to want to buckle your seatbelt and stick around. You're really a political refugee, in a sense, from the state of Oregon that went nuts. And we're going to briefly bring people up to speed and talk about the journey through that again and refresh them. We've had you on before. But and also talk about new life mm-hmm. that's going on in Phoenix. Okay. So uh, this is what was going on back in the day, which you're not there right now. Nope. And so praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> you, you have a Seriously. huge, huge sigh of relief just watching this and yeah. thanking the Lord. It's in the past. Yes. Uh, Thank you for rewriting my story. Exactly. Uh, this is all very bad. What you're going to watch, but <laughs> it's part of my story, and I'm embracing it. That's right. Yeah. It's it, it's. Uh, you know, it's our testimony, mm-hmm. what God is doing in our life, and uh, is so exciting. And the hard things are the things that we take forward with us because we learn so much. We mm-hmm. go deeper in our faith. Yes. Hey, so for those who don't know Lindsay and her story in the Glamour Salon mm-hmm. in Salem, Oregon, check this out. Salon owner is suing Governor Kate Brown for what she says is a violation of her civil rights after she opened her salon in defiance of the state lockdowns. She claims the governor's retaliating against her and her family and abusing her power. She terrorized myself, she terrorized my stylist, and she terrorized my family. Um, she, she took every government agency she could and she put her full weight uh, into intimidating me into closing including sending um, Child Protective Services to my home and threatening the removal of my children. Kate Brown, she picked her battle early on and she's she's running Oregon like a complete dictatorship. She isn't up for re-election and so she doesn't need to earn any brownie points from anyone. You don't even have to be from Oregon. You can watch the news and see what she has done to Oregon residents is appalling. And um, clearly she, she believes she has the authority to do so. Um, she came after me with everything she had. So, uh, a little first of does your heart like to Okay, so get a little more mad again. <laughs> I a little pitter patter. I just with... want to sue her. Oh, wait, I am. <laughs> so, uh, just briefly rehearse what happened. And I really want to talk about, because um, this was the most startling thing to me mm-hmm. when they sent child protective. I mean, as a parent, yeah. uh, it's one thing, I'm opening my business, but now you're going to come after my kids, weaponizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're seeing now with President Biden telling the Department of Justice to send the FBI after parents right. that are speaking up right. for their children at school board meetings, which is the public forum to do so. Right. But now he's weaponizing that in a national level, exactly what Kate Brown was doing yeah. at a state level. They're trying to hit families where it hurts, um, and they're trying to destabilize the nuclear family, mm-hmm. um, as we've been seeing for the last few years. And it all starts with... You know, for me, it was going public with my opening and saying in a press conference that I had a right to feed my children, I had a right to feed my family, and I had a right to work. And it was the next day that CPS showed up at my house. So it was like she had weaponized all the other agencies, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't backing down. And so she finally went for, quote, the jugular. Yeah. So. And so what, because when we talked before, um, I asked you, 
you know, a lot of salons have that set up. They rent a chair. Mm -hmm. and, and how many stylists did you have, have working at the Glamour? I had 25. 25. You yes. had 25 chairs I had there. 25 chairs and private rooms. Yeah, we were the wow. biggest salon probably in the Northwest. So. Wow. Yeah, so she put a lot of people out of business. Yeah. Um, and when I opened, I had told the girls that worked there, you guys can work. This is why I'm doing this. Come in and earn a living for your family. We had ex-military. We had single moms. We had... Uh, moms that were the sole providers for their family and what it came down to was I'm opening so that I can work because I have a family to feed but I'm opening because these women have a right to work and I have a right to provide them for the space that they're paying to do that. Yeah and how many of them had the courage to do it? Four. <laughs> Four and me. Yeah. Right, so you had it was sad actually. I was yeah. like guys really? Yeah. I mean okay. Well you know people are frightened yeah. and they're frightened by the government mm -hmm. and they're um, it takes, but even those four would not have done it without your leadership. Thank you. That you is know? true. So yeah. um, five out of 25 mm -hmm. is uh, better than nothing. That's better than nothing. <laughs> and there were no other businesses open in Oregon at that time. Yeah. And even those five, uh, myself included, learned that we should fear the government. Yeah. Uh, they came after them. They sent letters to all of the stylists that they could tell that they could, you know, analyze were working, mm -hmm. and threatened to revoke their stylist license if they continued to work. And so right. even That's those a state four, yeah, right. yeah, even those four um, had to jump through the hoops, and they went and worked in another county for a few days that was open because they were safe, because that county was safe. Uh -huh. So those four even said, "I can't lose my livelihood." So they jumped ship and said, we'll be back. We love you, Lindsay. Don't worry, yeah. we're not leaving you. Yeah. But for now, we can't lose our license. We're going to go to another salon, work there for a couple days. And when Kate Brown opens us back up, we'll come back. Right. So for about, I want to say, three or four days there, I was standing in my salon all by myself going, well, I'm still working. <laughs> you were working where clients coming? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They were, they were flocking in. I actually wish... Every stylist would have worked. I wish other stylists would have come forward and said, I'll work because yeah. we had a line out the door. I the bet. phone would not stop ringing. Yeah, and no, I was. The ladies don't. Who's yeah. going to color their hair? Yeah. I mean, Men were coming in for their haircuts with their, you know, their grown out because they hadn't had haircuts yeah. in six weeks. Yeah. Um, some of them were kind of coming in with their wife's bad haircuts. Honey, I can do it at home for <laughs> exactly. you. And I was like, oh, fix that. <laughs> so I was working nonstop, praying for stylists, and then also trying to get home to my family during this whole fight. Yeah. So it was interesting. And what's your husband's business? You, you told me that you guys had six businesses. Mm -hmm. So what were some of those businesses? Was he able to continue working? And uh, no, no. Right. We So we'd closed. We had four tanning salons, we had oh, my salon, yeah. and we had a gym that we had just built and opened, I think, three months prior. They're all public all, access. Yep, all, all public under access. her rule of non-essential, oh, and wow. so they were all closed. And we were still paying the lease on all these buildings, and the PPP loans that they were saying they were going to give us, they were telling us to use to pay our employees that aren't employed because we can't be open. So it wasn't like they were giving us money. They weren't giving business owners money, they were giving our employees money when the employees were already getting unemployment. So it was like, okay, so there's really nothing substantiating all of these thousands of dollars going out yeah. of our pocket every month as business owners. Yeah. Um, the tanning salons were a franchise, and so I didn't really want to deal with a franchise owner saying, oh my gosh, you're opening against the mandate and mm -hmm. the publicity. So, and then the gym, we had a partner, and so we didn't want to throw him under the bus either. So what was left was, well, the salon is completely and utterly mine. It's, I'm going to do it. I'm going to open, and no one can be mad except me. So whatever happens, it's on me. Yeah. And uh, it works just fine. I mean, the, the point was, I'm going to do hair. I'm going to serve my clients and make money, and so we did.
Yeah. Yeah. So they, the Child Protective Services came in, uh, but they had no traction. It's not like the kids are being abused just because right. mom opened her business. Right. What, what was the repercussions from that, or what did they say? As though they had a, like a falsified, what looks like a falsified report that had come in ma magically the day that I announced I was opening. And um, it was They're a, saying somebody turned you in. They're saying that, yes. Oh but my the person is anonymous um, completely. Yeah. The person didn't get my kids' names right, and the person even said, allegedly on the phone, I don't know Lindsay, I've just heard rumors that this is what happens in her house. And then there was this list of just completely falsified things. And so wow. um, we, there was a couple things, a couple whistleblowers came forward. So we got a copy of the phone call report, which let me know that everything in here was, they didn't even know me well enough to know my kids' names. It was all bogus. It was all bogus. And then we actually got a report of the assessment where it was shown that somebody had called this in from higher up and had pushed it through when they didn't need to. Mm -hmm. So every, I learned afterwards from a CPS advocate, every report gets screened. And then after that screener says, this seems valid, it goes to another screener. And that screener says, well, this seems valid. Well, both of those screeners should have said, this is completely invalid. The person is admitting that they don't know what they're talking about, but yet they both uh, had been recorded as pushing it forward and putting a rush on it, a 72-hour rush. Hurry up and get to Lindsey Graham's house because she opened her there's salon. mold in her toilets. It's a brand new home, so it was like, is okay. that actually one of the charges? Yeah, there's there's, there's black mold in my toilets, and I was so so. How do you hear this a rumor so about shameful. that? Like, I know. You know, I was at this person's yeah. house, and there <laughs> I lifted the toilet, and there was mold. it was disgusting. Well, it's a toilet; it's, it's not really supposed to be clean. But um, but anyone that knows me intimately would know that that would not be true. Right. And also, how can you admit to knowing that when we've all been locked down for six weeks? So you technically shouldn't have been at my house exactly. to check out my black mold. <laughs> And toilet. thirdly, it is a brand new home, so you should That's know so that there's not utterly black mold. ridiculous. Yeah, but um, <laughs> as humiliating as this is, and this is funny now because yeah. it, it, I'll well, tell you that it got thrown yeah. out. Um, I had to give this CPS agent a tour of my home and sh lift up my toilet seat to show him. Like he wouldn't do it himself. I had to lift up my own toilet seat to show him that there was no black mold. And actually, there was a little bit of me that's like, well, we're on a well water, so please don't let them people <laughs> when we lift this toilet seat. Now, did it really, uh, how old are your kids, and what was its effect on them? I mean, were they really frightened? Okay, so there goes my smile. There goes the laugh. Yeah. Um, so I had a six-year-old boy, a four-year-old, maybe three-year-old girl at the time, and then my baby was eight weeks old. So eight weeks old. You're a new. I, I was mean, a I, brand new mom. Oh my I was, I was weeks. opening up oh because I had already taken maternity leave. Yeah. So I'm sitting there during lockdowns, going, I didn't budget for any more time off. This wow. is it. Yeah. I enjoyed the six weeks extra, and then I said, I gotta go back to work. So um, luckily for me, uh, only my six-year-old was present, and the CPS agent sat me down at a table just like this privately and interrogated me. And then he sat my husband down and interrogated my husband. And then he said, I want to speak to your six-year-old son. And I said, perfect. Well, I'm, he's in his room, so I'm going to go with you. And he goes, well, we'd really rather you not be present mm -hmm. when we question him. And I said, oh, well, that seems a little not cool. Mm -hmm. I really think I should be there. Mm -hmm. He said, well, we don't want you to have any influence on the child. And I said, I won't talk. I won't, I won't even look at him. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'll, I'll hide. Mm -hmm. No, we'd really, really, really rather you not be in the room. And so he went into my son's room, closed the door, mm -hmm. and 
the thought occurred to me to sneak up and peek in. Yeah. But this is the government doing something to me that has never been done and will never get done to me again. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what my rights were. I had no idea what this whole process would look like. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm saying I'm not going to fight the government. I'm currently fighting the government. <laughs> I'm not going to fight this guy. I don't know how much control he has over my household. This is mm -hmm. He's in my home. And so I let him question my son, and I mean, I have no idea what was asked. There's the report that later said he asked, you know, does your mommy love you and does she feed you and all this stuff. But really, um, to be quite honest, a, a strange man being in your home and shutting the door and being with, alone with your child is alarming in more than just CPS type of ways. Yeah. So um, that afterward, when my mind started racing, that was kind of like, a, oh, that's never going to happen again. Right. I'm, you've now pushed the mom button and yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And after he left... Which legally, we don't have to do that. No, we don't. And we I don't. found that out later. Right. Yeah, I had no... But in the moment, yeah. you don't know. You're intimidated. I, yes. And, in fact, what's uh, terrible is when I received this report and he said, I want to come back and interview you and all this stuff, I said, come on back. I welcome you into my home. Mm -hmm. There's no black mold in my toilets. Mm -hmm. uh, the kids are fed. I, I wish that he would come in and go, okay, you know what? I'm really sorry. This was mm -hmm. a huge misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And that's just not what happened. He just took it to the nth degree. And he even said as he was leaving, all right, well, I'm going to need to interview your three-year-old daughter next. And I went, no, you're not. You're mm -hmm. not stepping foot back in this house. And mm -hmm. they never did. Mm -hmm. I filed a tort claim against Child Protective Services. And uh, within, I want to say, 24 hours of receiving that claim, they dropped my case completely. So, What is that? A tort claim is yeah. putting them on notice that says, don't delete files, don't yeah. erase um, paperwork. Mm -hmm. we are going to take legal action against you. Mm -hmm. And so you need to preserve all your documents for this. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as they realized I was willing to take legal action, they mm -hmm. they texted me, yes, texted me and said, your file has been, yeah, your case has been dropped for... For some reason. Invalidity, yeah. I it see. was no, yeah. So well. <laughs> I celebrated, but I yeah. was like, okay, one teeny tiny battle won yeah. in this war. What are the other things that's really tough in this fight for liberty we're in? Lindsay, and maybe you can speak to this, is finding a really good lawyer mm -hmm. that's scrappy and willing to fight. Yes, did, yeah, I and mean, that's did, not bought off or, exactly. or scared or paid for. Or they're a friend, it's the buddy uh -huh. system in the community, yep. you know, it's like. Yep, I was very lucky right away to have uh, my, my previous attorney, Ross Day, he's out of private practice now, which is really terrible mm -hmm. news. But he came forward right away before my story hit the news, before anything, he says, he calls me a white hat client, um, mm -hmm. the good one of the good guys he wants mm -hmm. to represent. And he came forward right away and said, whatever you need, I have your back. And he really has. Um, and so I, I'm bummed to lose him. So yeah. I'm actually on the search for a new attorney for my lawsuit because yeah. it's going to federal court and a judge has it and is sitting on it. I'm mm -hmm. sure they do not want to see me in court mm -hmm. and have me present all the evidence that I have. Yeah. Uh, against the state of Oregon, but uh, I'm, yeah, currently looking for a new attorney and it's been more of a headache than I would like to have been put on my plate. Yeah, so if you, that's you, you're <laughs> really good, you gotta be scrappy and you gotta be successful. Uh, Lindsay's uh, doing a shout out to you. Real scrappy. Yeah, so uh, do you have a website they can go to and drop an email or a yes, message or anything? Yeah. Give them the shout Patriotbarbie.com. Uh, I have a contact me email. I even might have my phone number up there if you're real lucky. So yes, I'm looking for a great attorney who's willing to fight for me. There you go.
And for so all of America. <laughs> we're, o we're always trying to connect the dots to anybody mm -hmm. that will help the people that are standing for liberty because it takes an army of people doing exactly what you did mm -hmm. to let the government know that we're not going to roll over into their socialist, communist right. agenda that yes. is like a steamroller right now. Yes. And it's crushing people. It's escalating. And so what was the public outcry in, in the community? Uh, yes, there was two sides. There was, so Oregon's pretty liberal. Yeah. So I had a lot of leftist mental, mob mentality immediately come after me, target me for the most ridiculous things. They tried to target me for my looks and my weight because I just had a baby, calling me names regarding my weight, telling me I was killing grandma, um, telling me that I was a, a millionaire salon owner who cared more about my riches than people's lives. They actually said that I was a grandma killer. They made memes out of my faces. Um, it was, it, now it's very humorous. Now yeah. I'm like, you guys are so bored, you poor things. Yeah. Um, but then there was the rest of America mm -hmm. and the support came from all over the US. Mm -hmm. I mean, mostly red states. So yeah. I was getting a lot of letters from Texas and Florida and a lot of people who could see through the scam right away mm -hmm. and were saying, thank you so much for doing this. Cause I mean, I was one of, I th think the first three. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, I didn't realize what a big deal it was, but I was paving the way for these people to say, yeah. thank you. You're, you're, you know, fighting the fight for all of us. And so I would wake up every day with an inbox full of hate mail and an inbox full of, thank you so much, where can I donate? So it was like bittersweet and yeah. I learned really quickly to start ignoring the cancel culture. Yeah. Yeah. So how long could you feel that weight, that burden, that mm. pressure before you and your husband just looked at each other and said, we gotta go. We gotta get out. Yeah. You know? So the weight of the cancel culture was not because I opened. The cancel culture mob came after me because when Antifa and BLM started rioting in Salem, mm -hmm. uh, there was posts made on social media saying, burn down Glamour Salon uh -huh. and uh, physically assault me. That's the yeah. nice way of putting it. Yeah. And so I was sitting at home with my newborn fighting this fight. I was exhausted mm -hmm. and I went, I am not gonna let these people burn down my salon. Mm -hmm. And so the protests were scheduled in the heart of downtown Salem, which is right where my salon was, mm -hmm. and I was clearly being targeted. Mm -hmm. um, I used my social media platform to do a call to arms, and I said, I need protection. Yeah. I'm not losing this salon, and yeah. downtown Salem is not losing their downtown businesses. Mm -hmm. And uh, somewhere between three and 400 people, Patriots showed up armed, and protected really? all of the downtowns, yeah, businesses. So it didn't, the down, it didn't get burned? Not, oh, no. Not because not of the even, police. Not because of the police. No. But because of... Because of my call to arms. <laughs> That's Because awesome. I'm running a militia now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they showed up, and men and women, people of all, you know, shapes and sizes and yeah. colors, and uh, I was running ops. It was hilarious. I'm a salon owner, <laughs> and here I am with my ball cap on. I can see on. you with baby on the hip. Yeah, you got your, yeah uh, my walkie-talkie. <laughs> I did. I had a walkie-talkie. <clears throat> and businesses were calling me saying, Lindsay, I'm out of town, can you send a couple guys down to this shop? And yeah, yeah. I got it, hey, you two yeah. go there. And then um, I actually had an ex-military, I think he was a general or something, and he stepped up and said, do you want me to run off? And I was like, yes, please, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, I've got pictures, just the whole downtown was lined with people saying wow. no. And you know, not a, not a window was broken on those blocks. So what kind of crowd was the Antifa and Black Lives? I mean, did they come, was there any 
any uh, conflict or interaction between the two, or were they so intimidated by the three or four hundred? They, they just, were intimidated. Yeah. Uh, they actually there was conflict with the police. The police. There okay. was um, bottles being thrown full of urine and oh. acid. At, at and, the police. Yeah, at the police. There was oh, okay. glass being broken, and you know, I'm sure rubber bullets being fired. Mm -hmm. uh, but they avoided. You know, they avoided the armed patriots. Wow. So job well done. Yeah. I actually had uh, someone in the police department call me and say. I know you're getting a lot of flack for this, mm -hmm. but if you didn't do that, Salem would look a lot like Portland right now. It would. And so Salem has never, yeah, there hasn't been wow. an issue in Salem Nobody since. gave a call to arms in Portland. It's still no. burning, no. right? I mean, it's yeah. still like a mess yeah. up there. It's yeah. unbelievable. But that was the cancel culture. Right. They, they, I mean, after that, it was the typical. Mm -hmm. You're a white supremacist. You're a white nationalist. You had racists scarred your salon. Yeah, everything. All kinds yeah. of things just went viral. And so yeah. that was when the full weight of cancel culture hit mm -hmm. me. We started getting death threats at our home. Yeah. Um, and I started wondering if we were safe there. Yeah. And so my husband and I said, all right, we're gonna go. Yeah. We can't be successful any, anymore. I mean, what's, what's yeah. the joy in living in a town where you feel hated and you know yeah. that every move you make, there's a leftist mob waiting to just pounce yeah. on you. Yeah. And I went from being a pillar in the community to feeling like I couldn't even walk down the street to get a coffee without, what if someone recognizes me and decides to finally beat me up, as stated on social media. So, right. so we left for Arizona. It's been yeah. the best thing ever. So tell yeah. me about your journey with Jesus in the midst of this, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Because uh, the last time you said, I was walking with Jesus, but not in the deep way that I am mm -hmm. now. How did this take you to your knees to cry out to the oh Lord? How did this change your, your family's culture on the way out the door? Because obviously when we're desperate, mm -hmm. we, we cry out to the Lord. Right. So I've never felt, I didn't feel in the moment that we decided to move to Arizona. I didn't feel God, you know, kind of say that the way that he says things to me now. Yeah. Um, we up and did it. I believe that he put it on our hearts mm -hmm. pass passively mm -hmm. and he got us here. And once we got here, I really started feeling the Holy Spirit change my identity and change who I was because what happened in all of this was that I lost what I thought was my identity. I was very well known in Oregon as having this amazing salon, being mm -hmm. the best at my job, being really successful. Um, I was quiet politically and, and religiously because mm -hmm. you don't talk politics or religion in mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. So I was everyone's friend and that is just was not the case anymore. I was mm -hmm. no longer everyone's friend. Mm -hmm. I was half the city's enemy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I couldn't run a big salon. I left my salon behind and I wasn't gonna start a new one here and I went, I don't know who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not an awesome, successful hairstylist. I'm still a mom, I'm still a wife. I know I'm a child of God, um, but there's gotta be something that he's got planned for this mm -hmm. and I just don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of had to like, <sighs> take myself apart and say, all right, God, now you put it back together mm -hmm. however you want. And that has been just a series of open doors in Arizona. But it started with, um, it really started with his call for me to write my book. Mm -hmm. And I tend to be um, a go-getter and mm -hmm. I tend to not be able to, to decipher when I wanna do something because you know God gives us the desires of our heart. Yeah. So when he called me to write a book, I thought, well maybe I wanna write a book. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is me doing what I wanna do. So mm -hmm. I said, all right Lord, make it very clear that this is your calling. And then he very much did. And when I sat down to write the book, I thought I'm just gonna write about my fight with the Oregon government and mm -hmm. what I've been through. And uh, I'm gonna leave out some of these early 20s years that maybe 
my dad and maybe I don't want out in the public. Mm -hmm. And when I sat down and started writing, God just had a whole different plan. And it started with me dissecting who I've become since taking on the government mm -hmm. and re-identifying myself mm -hmm. and working through the, the pain of what I went through and the anger and the forgiveness to people that kind of stabbed me in the back. And then after halfway through the book, I said, this is not even going to get published. This is God just saying, sit down and write because you're going to work through yourself mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it with you. Mm -hmm. And this is how, this is the only way you're going to sit down and quietly and listen to me and do it. And then um, as I sort of found my identity in Christ, he started helping me write the book and telling the bad stories and saying, listen, your whole life is your testimony now. Mm -hmm. I've been preparing you for this, for this moment in time, mm -hmm. and you can't ignore the bad choices you've made because that's where I'm going to reveal myself. Mm -hmm. And that's where people are going to see that even though as a human you made your own bad choices, I was going to use them for good the whole time. Mm -hmm. And those stories came out, and I just go, oh, gosh, I really don't want to write this, but I'm going to write it. Yeah. And now it's out there in the world. But um, God just made the whole book my testimony. He mm -hmm. gave me scripture to put in it. Mm -hmm. He showed me that um, I'm my identity is his. Mm -hmm. Like, my identity is to be a child of God and to follow his calling. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, he's just blessed my family so much. I don't even know... Some of the blessings are so microscopic, they sound silly, but I just, mm -hmm. I'm not a slave to my businesses anymore. Mm -hmm. My husband and I aren't stuck in Oregon in the rain mm -hmm. trying to slave away to just make ends meet every month or whatever, mm -hmm. pay the bills or whatever new toy we're going to get. Like I'm home with my kids more. I'm raising them to be teeny little lions mm -hmm. and um, they're in a Christian school, something we never considered in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And our families just, we're just new. We're new. And following him and and being able to be his child as my main focus mm -hmm. is is just a pathway to I don't know what and how exciting is that like I have no idea what I'm supposed to be yeah. I'm not a salon owner I'm not a hairstylist mm -hmm. I'm nothing I'm I've retired from every business we don't mm -hmm. want to get canceled again I said Lord we're, I'm going to do what you say mm -hmm. and I have no idea what that means and it's like the most exciting thing in my life That's awesome Yeah We were talking before <laughs> we went on air that it's almost like a death, burial, and resurrection, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yes. I mean, here's this identity. Yeah. And then because of the crisis, the 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, Corona was the greatest thing that happened in my life. Yeah. Because God used it. He does work mm -hmm. all things together for good for those who love God. Yes. And are they called according to his purpose? Yes. And I think that there are people out there who believe what we believe, that this is a scam, this is a, a virus that the government used to scam mm -hmm. the American people mm -hmm. to bring on their communist regimen. And there are people out there going, I really want to do what I need to do. I want to fight back. I mm -hmm. want to be non-compliant. I want to stand up. Um, but I'm going to lose X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my encouragement to those people is to lose something. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're going to lose, mm -hmm. it is never going to compare to what God's going to give you in return. Never, yeah. never. Yeah. And if you know that with absolute yeah. certainty, if you say, all right, God, I'm going to lose my job because I am not going to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So here's my job. You have to know God's going to give you something better. Yeah. That's the kind of God we serve. Yeah. There's, no, <clears throat> there's no gray area there. So knowing that with complete faith, why wouldn't you at, in any sense be like, here you go. Here's yeah. my dumb job. I can't wait to see what you give me in return for, for standing up. Yeah, for sure. And Jesus said, you know, if you lose your life for my sake, because it is in faith, it's not like you're just 
throwing it away. You're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And that's right now, every single weekend, people are, I mean, they're losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're backs against the wall. And people losing uh, their retirement, their mm -hmm. pension. They yep. poured 25, 30 years into something. Yeah. And that's so tragic. And uh, just coming to that place, well, Lord, here it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what you're going to do with me. I don't know what you're going to do with this. Right. I don't know what you're going to do with my family. Um, some people are called to stay, and, and he has a plan for them to stay and fight. Mm -hmm. Other people, Jesus said, if they persecute you in this city, flee to this one. Right. So, you're, Done it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. Right. You, you got out of Dodge, yeah. and, and you have a new life in what God is doing. And there's really no... Um, cookie cutter because we're all mm -hmm. individuals. God has yeah. a plan for Lindsey Graham, mm -hmm. the hairstylist in the past. Mm -hmm. But that's the cool thing about writing your story because I also wrote my testimony when I handed off my church after 25 years. And I thought I was writing a story mm -hmm. about, but it actually just became about what God was doing inside of me. Yeah. Because you go through all this garbage in life, and I just push it behind me and just keep moving. Uh -huh. I never wanted to like look at it. Yeah. But when you're having to Letter by letter. Yep. Yep. There's something that processes yeah. right. It's a, a slow uh, thing that God's doing a work inside of us. Yes. And it will be a beautiful story for other people to be. Uh, uh, yes, it will. It was. It was painful to kind of to relive those things. Yeah. There. There was. I mean, everything. At some point, I eventually gave to God, and mm -hmm. I said, "Lord, mm -hmm. please forgive me for that time in my life, yeah. and please forgive me for that particular action." Yeah. And I'm free from that. But mm -hmm. to go and put it out into the world where people are cruel, mm -hmm. the Lord is not cruel, yeah. but people can be cruel and yeah. they can completely use that information to, you know, mm -hmm. slander me or, yeah. or judge me. But what is awesome is now that I've endured cancel culture to the max, mm -hmm. people can write and say whatever they want about me yeah. and I'm, I, I could care less because that's not my identity anymore. Right. It's I know who I am with with God and I know who he's made me and I know, you know, what I'm capable of and what he wants to do for me. And so that's more beautiful than what Internet social keyboard warriors want to say about me. That's right. Yeah. I think that a lot of people think that those dark areas of our life that we want to keep out of. Uh, mm. Obviously, we're embarrassed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm embarrassed about a lot of things that yeah. I, I put in my book. Oh, I'm and, gonna read it. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I haven't published oh, it yet. Okay. Like, it's it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. But um, that's where the power is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because people, this is what I've discovered. When I share about brokenness in my life, people are built up. Mm -hmm. When I share about my heroic whatever, right? They don't really care. Yeah. They're like whatever. Yeah. But it's the brokenness that seems to build a bridge to broken hearts, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, I heard somebody say that the difference between a biography uh, and a testimony, a biography, you're the hero of your story. A testimony, oh, Jesus is the hero yeah. of your story. Yeah, and that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's really true. awesome. Yeah. And my wife, when she was writing out her story in a book, she was so, I came home and she was in tears on the, on the couch. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I'm writing this really dark area of her life. Mm. And she said, I'm afraid I don't want to be naked. Mm -hmm. I feel naked, yeah. right? And I'm sure yeah. you felt that way yeah. when you write that. You just feel like, these people don't need to see, right. see this. Yeah. And uh, Jesus ministered to my wife's heart. It, he said, I hung naked on a cross for you. Would you be naked for oh. me? Yeah. And, yeah. and so that, and that's where the power is. Right. In, that, in her book is yeah. in that, that brokenness. Well, the, the beautiful thing about writing about something in the past is, People around you can see who you are in that time, mm -hmm. but they don't know 
just by looking at you once or meeting mm -hmm. you for coffee. They don't know anything in the back. Yeah. And so if they look at you and decide who they think you are, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it could be great. I mean, I've got a beautiful life. I've got a, a nice mm -hmm. home and, mm -hmm. and, and three healthy, happy children and a loving husband. And But what happened to get to that point, okay? Mm -hmm. I haven't lived this beautiful, perfect church life, and I was on track to doing that before yeah. I started making all my horrible decisions. Yeah. And it's beautiful for them to, to look at you and go, aha, there's deeper. Mm -hmm. And God made that. Mm -hmm. God took those terrible, terrible things yeah. and he made them good for you. So God didn't just place us in a blessed life. Mm -hmm. He let us make our mistakes. He took them and turned yeah. them into good. And he created the person that everyone sees now, mm -hmm. a happy person full of joy and full of life. That's a, that's a, a heart in Jesus. That's, that's not right. just... A, a perfect lived life. Yeah. So it gives him the glory. And he, he just takes the mess of our life and brings a message out of That's it. That's right. And, yeah. And so your message now has opened up some other doors for you in Phoenix. So yes. you wrote a book and, mm -hmm. and what else is going on? What else is going on? Let's see. It changes every week. That's how good God is. <laughs> every morning I wake up and I check my email and I'm like, Ooh, what's, what's cool happening yep. today? Um, so my husband and I do fix and flips as a career, which mm -hmm. means we don't count on anyone for our success except for ourselves. We cannot get canceled. There's no place to leave us one-star reviews. There's no reviews. vaccine ma mandate. There's no mandates. Yeah, we run our own show. <clears throat> and then just recently, um, my uh, my co-host, Brandy Barclay, and I, we are launching tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow okay. is our first radio show on 960 AM The Patriot. We have a radio show. Yeah. That's wonderful. And what we sat down and said was, all right, this is on a political um, forum. We're going to be two conservative women backing and supporting traditional values and the nuclear family. And um, we're Christians, so mm -hmm. you know we'll sprinkle some God in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, God like totally took over the radio station too. Yeah. So it's like people are going to listen to our political views, but you can't be. I mean, our politics are grounded in our morals and our beliefs. Right. And so we start talking politics, but then. God just comes shooting in mm -hmm. and telling everybody why we believe what we believe. Well, yeah. the reason we believe these things is because they're in the Bible. So yeah. let's open to chapter, you know, Matthew awesome. this. And yeah. it's like, we're just getting, and you know, the more we pursue these doors that God opens, the more he, he says, you know, good, well done, good and faithful one. And mm -hmm. um, so that's happening. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else is happening. Yeah, well, one door leads to another yes. door that leads to another. I'm here with you. So, that's right. What a great door to open. I'm yeah. here in California. You're here visiting us. Yeah. You're going to be with God Speak Church this yes. weekend. Yes. Um, we have a big weekend. We have David Barton here. Yes. And uh, Madison Cawthorn, congressman. Super excited about Madison. Uh, Madison. <laughs> and I was on yesterday with a uh, live stream for, with both those guys. Okay. So it's going to be epic. Awesome. Uh, epic. Epic. Yeah. Uh, on uh, Sunday. <laughs> And uh, then I'm on Sunday. I'll be hanging out with uh, Charlie Kirk over at uh, Golden Springs at Raul Reese's church. Okay, where's and that so church at? It's about an hour and a half from here. Golden okay. Springs. It's Diamond Bar. Okay. Uh, so it's in the. Uh, I think it's Pasadena. The, so all the Arizona people are in California this weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, Charlie's going to be over. And um, so the Lord's doing a great work in the midst of this. Really. Um, unbelievable time yeah. in history. And so on the radio station, it's AM station, it's going to be a Saturday program. It's a, it? Yep, Saturday at 1.30s, oh, okay. at 1.30, but we are, um, we're recording them into a podcast as well Great. Uh, that will be uploaded onto Rumble and YouTube yeah. 
and so episodes will be available on demand. So will you be doing live remote from here, or it was already pre-recorded and they just have it? We go into the, it's uh, Salem Media, we go into the radio station and record. Okay, so yeah. you will hear tomorrow. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Right. No, I'm sorry. No, they're pre-recorded. Yeah. Oh, pre We've already got six right. in the, in the oh, popper. Oh, yeah. Right. And I'm awesome. like, oh, they haven't even launched yet. And I'm excited because we get pretty controversial, you know, like having Christian beliefs now is controversial. Imagine is. that. But, you know, we, we speak very boldly and convicted. And there's times like, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. And then I go, yeah. you know what? Yeah. I can say what I want. They say what they want. So yeah. That's right. I'm speaking truth. David Barton said yesterday, because he's Mr. Pollster in, in statistics about everything, mm -hmm. he said only 6% of Americans today have a biblical worldview. Wow. One in 16. That's pretty sad. So what you're, who you're speaking to, there's a whole group of people oh. that need to hear that. Yeah. But um, just realize that's, that's this incredible dark time for us to speak out. Yeah. We would think it would be more. He said of those professing Christians, only... 9% even read their Bibles. So how can you know what God's heart is if right. you don't read his word? Yeah. And if you don't know uh, the Bible. Yeah. So you don't have a Christian worldview. And so that's really the, the emphasis of God's people during this time mm -hmm. to bring the message of Jesus, bring the message of his word, bring the message of, of freedom. And people have been asking us, Lindsay, and, and they may ask you, uh, uh, and Brandy as well, why are you guys, as Christians, why are you so passionate about political issues? Mm -hmm. And our simple answer is that the number one goal for me as a minister is to preach the love of Jesus to broken lives, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But I live in a nation that if I lose my freedom as a citizen, I'm going to lose the freedom to preach, mm -hmm. and which is what they want to stop you yeah. pre from preaching. So I have to fight also for a secondary purpose, and that is for liberty in the nation with socialism and communism uh, that is uh, basically like on steroids right yeah. now, uh, freight training uh, America, for us to stand up. So if we want to stand up for Jesus, we're going to have to stand up in the public square, in the public arena, mm -hmm. politically, yes. or we won't have that freedom anymore. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. We, we Brandy and I talk about it almost daily, how some Christians want to keep still politics and religion separate. Yeah. And <clears throat> there's almost just no way to do that with when, when you're voting on yeah. moral, you know, we're not voting about buckling your seatbelt in the car. That's chump change. Mm -hmm. We're talking about babies' lives and we're talking about the freedom to be a Christian and the persecution that's going to come if we don't fight mm -hmm. for these liberties. Mm -hmm. And in this time, there just really is no separation. And so more than ever... I'm feeling like m when I opened against the governor, I became this political figure, but God's calling me to use that political platform mm -hmm. to really testify. Right. And um, there are a lot of mm -hmm. patriots out there who can say, we're in dark times and get your food ready and get your yeah. houses ready and, and find land and buckle down. It's like, right. yeah. but you do know we're in end times too, right? Like you need to open the Bible and see that there's yeah. Who cares if you're surviving if there's no life for you after? That's right. And so it's about, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm going to get my food ready and my land, but I'm also going to yeah. get my family ready with Jesus and try to be saving as many souls as I can yes. um, because, you know, that's what he's calling us to do. And if we're getting to the point where we're looking at revelations and making comparisons, then we know that as Christians we need to be diligently preaching and to people and saving them and, and witnessing to them and that's right. showing them that 
there's still joy in this life because it's yeah. really hard to have joy right now and not wake up anxious. And when you have the peace that, um, honestly, I have this weird peace knowing, all right, things are going to get worse. Mm -hmm. But guess what that means? That means yeah. Jesus is coming. That's right. So I'm ready. So yeah. let's preach that. Let's preach that joy to those people so that they don't get to where there's just nothing left to live for. I'm really convinced, Lindsay, in these last days, with the Lord coming again and us being really busy about his kingdom, that people are going to look back, you know, 25, well, well, if we have two years, if right? There is, two months, yeah, if there's two months. Dear Jesus, right, please yeah, come yeah, back yeah, sooner. Yeah, we're ready. But <laughs> if they were to look back in history, if we have any history, uh, there's really going to be a corona revival because this is slapping mm -hmm. people in the face. And even churches yes. that still want to stay out of the public square. Uh, almost, I mean, it's now at the point I'm like, yeah, there is a place for that. They call it jail. Yeah. And that's where you're going with your faith because socialism and communism will not tolerate God being supreme, mm -mm. which he, in our constitutional republic, I mean, pledge allegiance to the flag, you, yeah. know, you know, one nation under God. We honor the Lord and we don't think that the government is supreme. We think God is supreme right. in our Judeo-Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but for a socialist or a communist, the state has to be supreme. Mm -hmm. So they have to crush Christianity. They have to crush. Yeah. That's what they did in Russia. That's what they did in China. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what they'll try to do here unless we stand up. Because Christians should be the most bold. They should they be the sh most absolutely should courageous. Be the most bold. Yeah. Uh, I struggle with um, this this message that I'm supposed to somehow convey to people. And my message is like, you need to be standing up and fighting too. And um, it's not everyone's call, yeah. and I have to remember that some of us have been, like I said, God has prepared me for this. I've gone through so much right. that can make me strong enough to endure what I'm enduring, yeah. And but there's got to be a calling for each Christian. It mm -hmm. may not be to be on the radio and be loudmouths like Randy and I. Mm -hmm. It may not be to defy the government all by yourself in Oregon, right. but if we just all take a step back and speak to God and say, where do you want me in this fight? Oh, he needs you somewhere. There's mm -hmm. no way he doesn't need you. Mm -hmm. So I think every Christian needs to be stepping back and saying, all right, God, what's my calling here? Even if it's just to defy mandates mm -hmm. or you know, lose your job over the vaccination mm -hmm. mandates, something, and he's, being call he's calling people to, to something in each area. Isn't that beautiful though? Each one of them by faith, all they have to do is say, Lord, ask. what do you want? Yeah. You know, you have not because you, you ask not. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like, well, give me wisdom, show mm -hmm. me what to do. I want to be engaged, I want to be involved, I want to love Jesus and tell people about Jesus, and I want the nation to remain free for my children, mm -hmm. my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And so we have to stand up to do so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's such thank a great time. Me. Once again, yes. it is patriotbarbie.com, right? If they want to. Patriotbarbie.com, yes. yes. And that's where you can order my book as well. Yes. And then. Uh, and what's the name of your book? Targeted One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. So pick that up. Can they get it on Amazon or do they even They sell can, it? but yeah. I mean, you want to support communists? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, they can get it off your website. <laughs> Don't right? give Jeff Bezos any more money. <laughs> exactly. They you can, can get it off you, your website. They can get it on Amazon, but if they, they get it on patriotbarbie.com, I will sign it and personally ship it? it out. Yeah, I have all the time in the world. And guys. if you're a really good lawyer <laughs> and you want to help her out yes. in her lawsuit against Governor Kate Brown and her tyranny, uh, then please do that. So Thank it you. is because of people like Lindsay and others that are standing up. I encourage you. She encourages you. Pray and ask the Lord. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do, Lord? How can I help? How can I serve? How can I share the gospel? And how can I stand up for liberty? And the Lord's going to give you direction. Amen. 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 Thanks for tuning in. God bless you guys. 
darkness I want hope for the hopeless And rest for the weary mind And you've got truth for the taking But my heart won't be shaken If today be the day that I die Whoa, 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 whoa Times of trouble, I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, I will keep my heart seeking